Hey, Gary, remember that merchandise survey we talked about last week? Oh, I had it back in the day. Oh, yes. I I remember it fondly. In the foggy days of yore. Well, that is still happening. Oh, shit. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Look out. (laughs) Sneak attack. We are still doing a merchandise survey, and this is the last episode to come out. Mm -hmm. And many of you have replied Mm -hmm. to it, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. But getting the largest sample size possible is going to allow us to merchandise accurately. Uh, So that is tremendous help to us to make good decisions about how to get you shirts and stuff. And your data has been incredibly valuable, as is the feedback. It is a short little 10-question survey. And uh, by filling it out, you get a chance to win one of eight Steam games that we're passing out. Yeah, random, random ass games that you may or may not already have. Hopefully, you don't. Um, yeah. So, uh, what is that URL, Cole? That URL is duckfeed.tv/slash/merch-survey2015. Mm-hmm. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a three-dimensional favorite. Yes, it is the ancestor or the descendant of uh, an ancient spirit. Yes, it's an ancient, an ancient favorite. Yes, an ancient three-dimensional Cascade. spirit. Uh, yes. yes. And this week we are talking about 3D.GameHeroes, uh, which is a game that was... Uh, developed by Silicon Software, or Silicon, yeah, Silicon, there we go, and uh, published by From Software in Japan and Atlas here in America. Yeah, and uh, this is part of our influences and followers uh, kind of interstitial season before Mm -hmm. we uh, hop on the blood foot and do the born thing, (laughs) which uh, we're all looking forward to with with heavy anticipation. Yes. Um, yeah. So th- this is a game um, that uses voxels to create these kind of 3d approximations of what sprites would look like and not, you know, like old sprites, like Nintendo sprites. Yeah. Yeah. And the result is that it is uh, fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I think it's one of the best looking games of that generation. Oh yeah. Like it is, it is really, really unique looking and really really pretty mm-hmm. and a lot of it is it's a real testament to the power of kind of design over graphical power mm-hmm. you know to to say power twice in one sentence on accident <laughs> yeah. um where it just it's it just choices mm-hmm. that make it look so appealing like it, i'm reminded of like a uh what is it wind waker or something like that yeah where it's just like you know this is not the mo- like a graphical powerhouse but they've made such smart choices that this is going to stand the test of time and look good forever yeah and there's some pretty sophisticated stuff happening with like post-processing on this in terms of giving things really subtle texture to it like mm-hmm. the, like the gross detail is really really spare right you're looking at these blocks that are floating in 3d space to make like sculptures of these characters of like this sprite that you see from this individual angle but there's all kinds of uh, surface detail happening there's depth of field a little bit the cameras that are really uh, steep angle which you can actually adjust and uh, just kind of all these filters and stuff happening to make this look like toys almost yeah that looks like a model town yeah like that, that you're playing that just animates mm-hmm really well and, and really beautifully. And uh, the reason why they went for this art style is that the the gameplay in this game is almost a 100% carbon copy 
of The Legend of Zelda. And by that, we mean the first one. Right. And it, it is a huge love letter homage yeah. to that. To not just Zelda, but like anything adjacent to it. Like this is an 8-bit tribute game. <laughs> Yeah, like it yeah. most closely uh, hues to, to Legend of Zelda, but it also there are notes of Dragon Warrior. Yeah, there's like aesthetic aesthetic cues from that. Your hero kind of looks like the main character from Dragon Warrior One. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, it is, it is a huge love letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's all kinds of in jokes and stuff like that. Like in a like in a way that, whereas I would have gotten tired of that in like Retro City Rampage, it feels a little bit more. It feels a little bit less crass here. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably because it's less crass. Yes. Like it is, it is very like kind of innocent and loving yeah. in, in a way that is really appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, you're going into dungeons, you are exploring this overworld map. Um, there's a certain level of nonlinearity and I actually have like, there are a lot of notes of, um, let's say, uh, Link's Awakening in this too, with all the FedEx quests and stuff that you have to do. Oh, sure. Like, and all the kind of like the emphasis on NPC town folk kind of, kind of things that you're going to find out in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, kind of the big change, the gimmick in the combat here is instead of, you know, when you're at full health, um, all your hearts, or I'm sorry, apples, all of your apples, yes. um, <laughs> instead of just shooting beams, you actually have a sword that gets massive and spans like pretty much the entire screen. And you can, you know, uh, adjust those and you can upgrade it and enhance it. And you have multiple different swords you can use. Yeah. And enhancement paths kind of for the sword. It's not as robust as a souls game, right. um, but it is, uh, there, there are a lot of different options for that. And even the starter sword goes halfway across the screen <laughs> at, at full health. And then later on, you can just make it unreasonable, um, which is hugely empowering and really fun. Yeah. Um, you can also use a sprite editor to make a custom character, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, super fun. Um, you can also be a skeleton. Yeah. Which is uh, which is also real cute. The uh, and I, I messed around with this a little bit, um, trying to make because I was kind of disappointed there wasn't a, a direct Souls homage character mm-hmm. in the the presets, um, because there are homages to other from games. But um, and I messed around a little bit trying to make a little Solera, but it was difficult and I stopped. Right, but it's, it was uh, it was really fun. It's it's a skill set I don't have. Yeah, it it definitely requires a certain amount of spatial awareness that I don't have. Like yeah. you can you can make something look good on one axis, but like the stuff that's designed in there is really novel. Um, one of my favorites is the is the cloud of people fighting. Yeah, yeah, that that's really really good. Yeah. And then there's uh, Santa and Funk Santa. Yep, which which I appreciate. And uh, and sometimes it's just like just a car. And then in element, it's something that's kind of a little bit insensitive. Insensitive. There's a little guy in a wheelchair that's just called Wheels. It's yeah. oh, um, an homage to the Burger King Kids Club. Yeah, yeah, and it, it says uh, it says under it it says. Uh, even if you're handicapped, you can be a hero or something like that, which is a little bit like, no, but you can like, there's, there's a, there's a possible reading of that where they're trying to be inclusive. Yeah. It's a very like misguided Michael Scott kind of way. Yes. Yeah. It does does feel, feel a little bit like Michael Scott, regardless of what your character looks like, your verb set is always going to be the same. You're going to use the same items, but you have these different sprites and some are really creative. Like you Mm -hmm. can be a shark uh, where you're (laughs) underwater. Like you are just a fin until you attack, Yep. (laughs) which is really, really adorable. And, uh, and just all kinds of things. There's a really nice looking beholder. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that part, that's real, real fun. Yeah, and you can change it at will, too. Yeah. And uh, there, are cl- there are different uh, genders you can have for your character. So there's a lot of uh, effort to kind of have gender-neutral pronouns in the game. And there are different classes, yeah. um, which are subtly different. And that's the main thing you want to look for when you're choosing your character there, is that uh, the hero is the combat class, uh, the scholar is the magic class, and the royal, um, and a little bit of a nod to Demon Souls, mm-hmm. is the uh, uh, middle, kind of middle ground class. Yeah. So, Gary... Why are we talking about this game? That's a, that's a good question. 
Um, the the one hundred percent honest answer, I think, is that we learned that this was developed by Silicon Studios a little bit late <laughs> um, <laughs> after we decided to do it. So that's part of it. However, there are this game is of interest uh, to to Souls fans, even you know even though it was only published by by From. Um, one of the big reasons, I think, is uh, the lineage. So we talked a lot about, and people talked about, how the Souls games are like 3D Castlevanias. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of plays down to the mechanics um, of it, like the kind of slow, the paced uh, gameplay and combat and the difficulty. Um, but not a lot of people talked about how much the Souls games owe to the first two Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, you know, in Zelda one, when you burn a random bush to find a cave or a guy, will give you money. That's Souls as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of open-endedness, lack of tutorial, um, hidden things behind every, you know, corner and nook is one of my favorite things about Souls games. And that's something that this game, uh, apes directly from, from the early Zelda games as well. I would even go so far as to say, as especially Zelda One, before there was really any uh, dialogue outside of the old man in caves, um, yeah. Zelda One kind of has a sense of like melancholy isolation to it. Yeah, you know, yeah, like you against the world, mm-hmm. which is like something that the Souls games do really, really well. Right. Um, there's also some direct from DNA in this, like aside from the the, the default main character being called from spelled with a U. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um there's just uh, all kinds of like homages in there is a whole cave like where the from de- uh, developers live that uh you can talk to you can get like uh, demon souls references like white sticky goo is a thing yeah yeah you get white sticky stuff mm-hmm. and the uh and they're they're kind of everywhere there's like lots of little uh you know one one of the you find a dead hero at the beginning of every dungeon and one of them says my heart is breaking <laughs> and stuff like that there's tons of little demon souls drops and that was the only souls game that had been out at this point but there are also armored core references and, and things like that so it's full of uh easter egg hunting uh for the souls mm-hmm. fan which is really fun yeah. um i also think another thing it has in common with it is uh the difficulty so difficulty is a hallmark of the uh, the souls games and uh it is here where there's kind of like a the later dungeons get very hard. Like this is a pretty hard game and you get to kind of see that even though From didn't necessarily do it, this is something where you kind of apply like a a Souls-like difficulty to a Zelda game <laughs> and see how it shakes out. Yeah. And like in some ways I feel like it's super successful, in some ways I feel like it's less so. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is kind of an exercise in, um, you know, maybe not quite as as difficult a uh, difficulty curve, but there are a lot of kind of similarities. Mm-hmm. In, the, in that part as well yeah it is it is kind of like a modern ethos applied to it with the difficulty yeah. and you know just kind of like with the souls games being where action rpgs kind of ended up um yeah this is uh, yeah you know kind of a weird parallel evolution right applying applying modern sensibilities to where action rpgs started right um yeah so uh, tell us a little bit about the plot cool yeah so the kingdom of dodnia <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love how they work the graphics into the story. It yeah, they're, they're to, everywhere. Yep. It used to be 2D, uh, but the king thought it was a little bit outdated, so he updated it to 3D. You know, it's kind of like how, you know, your, your your drapes are out of season, like floral print. What what am I, a grandma? Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all these townspeople are talking about how hard it is to make the transition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, as it was once before, the kingdom is now in peril after the dark bishop Fuel, Fuel, yeah, Fuel. Yeah, I always, I always said Fuel, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, like, he he steals the six magical orbs that, that maintain the peace in the kingdom, and now it's up to the hero, who is a descendant of another great hero, to gather the orbs and defeat Fuel and the Dark King Onyx. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Yes, the plot it, is super fluffy. 
Yeah, and it's it's supposed to be like the the unique things are in the margins of this game, mm-hmm. like the little bits of dialogue and the, the and the nods. Yeah, the personality. Like so, that's where you know it, it escapes being like a boring kind of retread, and starts becoming pretty pretty cute and charming. So there's an opening kind of cinematic when you start the game where you learn about the people kind of losing interest in the, the 2D world. <laughs> Making the transition to 3D uh, makes, I, I feel like it would hurt. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's just me and like my specific body horror issues, but like, it seems like it would hurt. <laughs> well, I mean, like all we have to do, it's it's almost the 2D to 3D version of uh, Slaughterhouse-Five's uh, 3D to 4D. Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, who knows if there are any physical changes that come with that. But, like, I would worry more about losing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, all of a sudden there are things behind things. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's all of a sudden you're, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. There was, a, there was a late era Futurama episode that was like that where they went to Flatland or they mm. were compressed down to the second dimension and they discovered, oh, we can't actually eat because our 3D digestive system rendered in 2D would actually cut us in half. Oh, because geez. of this flesh tube that runs down the middle of us. Yeah. So they had to escape because they couldn't eat. That's that's terrifying. <laughs> that's a good Futurama. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, Futurama. it's a good premise for a Futurama. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, this, this awesome little tapestry that kind of like sets up this story. Um, and, and again, in a way that is really reminiscent to the way that Zelda uh, happens. And mm-hmm. you start out in this... Uh, in this playable flashback to the great hero having saved the day and deciding to uh, go hide his ancient sword away. And it is always at full charge. I thought that's what this game was going to be. And I really freaked out. I didn't know that was the gimmick. <laughs> so I'm like, what in the hell is that sword doing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of a weird mixed blessing that it's not uh, at full charge most of the time because it, it gives the game a weird uh, kind of slippery slope Mm-hmm. in in difficulty so like when you start failing you're more likely to fail mm-hmm. at things because you are at your most powerful as soon as you start an encounter mm-hmm. and then get less powerful as the encounter goes on yeah. as opposed to vice versa yeah um it's really interesting like it took me a little while to really grow to to appreciate that part of it mm-hmm. um and then in the end i i think i kind of do um especially in the last dungeon which we'll talk about um where you end up fighting a lot of the same enemies again and being able to first try you know no hit a couple of them um because i was better with my my sword and could have it at max power mm-hmm. as i go yeah. it's uh it's far more empowering to have a gigantic sword than it is to be able to shoot swords like you did in zelda one yeah and you can still shoot little right. things if you want um you get this uh this you know this choice from the king right mm-hmm. and it, it's another little meme thing that again like if this were the only thing in there if it wasn't such an obvious zelda thing it would be obnoxious mm-hmm. like the king saying uh, it's dangerous to go alone um which obviously is Zelda one meme um like if this happened in borderlands i would not care for it mm-hmm. like the and i guarantee that i haven't played it but like and maybe you have <laughs> that happens in borderlands right someone says it's dangerous to go alone and gives you a gun probably like that has know. to happen like that's what that series is made of i played the first 20 minutes of borderlands too so yeah i don't i don't I well, i'm surprised it didn't happen say. in the first 20 minutes i'm sure it happens <laughs> in one of the dlcs or something like that because that's because fuck those games um but the uh i guarantee that happens and that's obnoxious but this is cute 
It's yeah. cute when I do it. Exactly. It's cute it's, when it, I like it. It's cute when my kid does it. That's the more yeah. accurate thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. oh, he's throwing his food all over the place at the restaurant. Uh, he's well, he's it, spouting it, memes. He's a walking well, it, hot topic shirt. Okay. It's because it's because it's more because it's not just a meme because it mm-hmm. works within the context of the game. I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it, yeah. It, it is it, it is perceived as loving instead of being like mercenary. Yeah. It's not. It's not cynical. There's no cynicism in this game. No. Um, people tried is, to ascribe a lot of cynicism to this when it came out. I think that was one of the one of the reasons. I never really checked it out that and I didn't own a PS3 until 2011. Um, Mm -hmm. So and this was kind of this had kind of fallen out of favor. Uh, So uh, while we still have anybody who is listening to this, um, I hope that, um, you know, who hasn't played it, I hope that this actually gets you to go out and try it. I, yeah. I, I left this out of the intro, but as you kind of drop off waiting for other things, I really encourage you to check this out, be, you know, specifically because of the play and also that personality, um, because I didn't give it a chance and I feel bad almost entirely because of that perceived cynicism around it. Yeah, it's and also uh, one of the things, and we, we've harped on this before and we'll harp on it again, is visually the game works so much better in motion than it does in screenshots. Oh, for sure. Like seeing it, when this game came out, I was hyped for it and it was one of the first like PS3 exclusives I wanted. And I probably got a PS3 later than, than you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't play it until then. Um, but I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, like that looks neat. But seeing it in motion really makes a huge difference. Yeah. Like it, it no longer looks like this like little crafted model and you're playing the model. And it's super, mm-hmm. super cool. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, you retrace your ancestors' steps and you get into your first boss fight with this uh, Stompy statue. Yep, um, which is pretty standard. Mm-hmm. You know, the statue uh, jumps up and, and lands and and you have to hit it and avoid getting under it. Um, you there's not too much to it. You don't get two really unique fights until much later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they, they're pretty good. Like, I, in general, like the boss fights in this game. Yeah. Um, and you get your your Navi figure, mm-hmm. um, Lee the Fairy, mm-hmm. and uh, but like significantly less obnoxious than Navi. Right. Like Lee only talks to you when there's something actually important. <laughs> so yeah. mostly at the beginning and end of a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it isn't stopping you as you walk into a new room saying, Hey, look at this. Look at, yeah, look at the switch you have to press. Like it does yeah. that the first time. And then once it, you know what a switch looks like in this game, it trusts you to have more memory than a fish. Right. And like, you know, let you, let you continue on. Yeah. Um, and then the game kind of just opens up. Like, uh, you have, uh, you know, you have the first dungeon you need to go to, you know, more or less how to get there, but you can explore a lot of this world right right out the bat in, in Zelda fashion. And there are significant kind of benefits to doing so. Like I didn't go out and when I play Zelda games, I never go out and get all the heart container pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could probably level up your health a few times just right out the gate. Yeah. If you want to, there are only like two or three gear gates you really have to contend with. Yeah. Yeah, there's only a, there's only a couple pieces of gear that function in true Metroidvania fashion and like mm-hmm. open up other areas. But like, if you want, go explore, go yeah. find some, some caves and stuff. Like, it's supposed to evoke that kind of openness. Yeah, and uh, and I really appreciate that. And the uh, the theme music really backs it up. Like, the theme music is really heroic and like mm-hmm. sounds pretty good. <laughs> is, it, uh, is, like, is a sound alike of the overworld theme? Of yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, going after and getting these uh, these life shards, which again, I love that your life is apples in this. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that feels like such a uh, such a knockoff um, in, in a good way, right? It's endearing. Um, mm-hmm. Because this game is so much more difficult, actually investing that time will pay dividends in a way that doing it in a Zelda game would not. Yeah, yeah. You actually have to take kind of advantage of some of these things a little bit more. And later in the game, when I ran into some difficulty walls, it was because I had I realized I've been playing it like a Zelda game mm-hmm. where I don't have to do that. Like me and Cole both recently came off of a uh, link between worlds, mm-hmm. um, which is not a difficult game. 
Right. Like it, it's an amazing game, but it's not hard. Yeah. And this one, you have to press those advantages that you have similar to a Souls game. Mm-hmm. I played Link Between Worlds after I beat this. And it, oh, is, a, it is a testament to uh, um, this that I was immediately like, oh, I need more of these kind of games. So I went yeah. and beat this game that I owned that hadn't beaten yet. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. But this opens up. You have your own little uh, your your own little village here, uh, Rayjack. Uh, which is where you're kind of introduced to these um, annoyingly time-sensitive side quests. Yeah, I didn't do tons of these. Yeah. Um, I did some of them. And some of them, they're, they're time-sensitive in different ways. A lot, I think that the only way that I know of, and you could, if you did more of them, you could correct me on this. I did, um, I did Is that you you have to, okay, so yeah, if you did if you did all of them, because I certainly didn't. Um, and, and in full disclosure, like, I got myself under the gun a little bit with bad time management and ended up having to kind of rush through this. Like I completed it, but I didn't completion it. It mm-hmm. um, completionist it. Um, so I think that most of our time, like you just have to finish them before you finish a dungeon. Yeah. Are there any of them that are time? Like they specifically have a clock? Nope. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So so that's a good thing. What I did was I just got a big list of time sensitive quests and where like where they started and when you needed to do them by. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that 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 functioned well for me. Like there's a great guide on GameFAQs that lists everything in between the dungeons and it's very spoiler free. Yeah, that, so. that is a great guide. It's the only guide on GameFAQs too. Oh. But it's it's HTML and you know, yeah. I think it's the only guide on GameFAQs. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it, it's really, really good. Yeah. So I just uh I looked at the interstitial stuff of that, and that has been very useful. Not so much because I'm like, you know, really stoked about getting the moon sword although i got the moon sword that's neat yeah um but i wanted to get as much of that uh flavor text as i could yeah um yeah for the purpose of talking about on the show so like it's pretty funny that in the village there's a slime who wants to be a human then throughout the course of the game he turns into a human and you turn him back with yeah. a mirror at the end of the game <laughs> yes so, so, like there's tons of stuff like uh that, that you can find like that there's just like these little things in the corners mm-hmm. that are references like the the characters unlike villagers in say a zelda game or zelda 2 like they actually for the most part will have something worth listening to to say mm-hmm. um like talking to everybody will actually work out mechanically and and flavor wise yeah for you um you can get the dash boots uh, from this village, which is a good idea. It's a good idea. However, um, they're functionally useless if you're not using it in the right circumstances because you dash with your sword out and if your sword is at max charge, you will only get a third of the way across the screen before you run into a wall. If Yeah, if it's a max charge, but when you can, um, like that's when, it, when, I mean, eventually we should talk about the uh, upgrade system mm-hmm. for swords and this, you know, we can do that now. Yeah, you um, can. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, so one of the things you can buy for your sword is pierce. Mm-hmm. the pierce quality, which makes it pass through inanimate objects. Mm. And that was always the first thing I bought, no matter what, which then allows you to swing, you know, shoot through walls and dash and do all kinds of shit. That's probably why uh, just at a certain point, the swords that I picked up just had that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I just, I, I was, I was really frustrated by that. I never knew what the pierce function did. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's my, it's my MVP upgrade of the game <laughs> was Pierce, like just because it allowed me to function with my sword at max value. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also increase length, uh, with damage, um, beam, which allows your sword to shoot. how oh, it does things. And then special, if the sword has a special quality mm-hmm. and there are tons of swords in this game, uh, yeah. many of which are not actually swords, <laughs> one and of which is a fish, one of which is a fish, one of which is a baseball bat. And uh, if some of them will do kind of neat things, and if you uh, level those up, mm-hmm. it'll do them better. Um, it needs to be noted, though, that they only have these properties when they're when you're at max health. Right. So if you get a really good sword or if you get a kind of lousy sword and you power it up, 
it's for a lot of the game, it, you're not going to have that power. So there's a weird element of like sunk cost mm -hmm. in the, uh, in the upgrade system where like I end up finding a sword, um, you know, maybe a third through the game, upgrading it a lot and then finding a better sword not too long afterwards, <laughs> excuse me. And it was just, uh, just out of luck. Yeah. With, with that, that money I invested because of that fear, I actually just ended up not upgrading my swords that much. Okay. Yeah. So I just kind of let them, let them be and didn't take advantage of that. Well, part, part of me was thinking of it in terms of like, again, applying other games to this game, which was was a mistake, was one, applying Zelda to it, thinking there will definitely a be a point in this game where money is no object, mm -hmm. which didn't happen right. for me. Like, I was always scrimping. And then two, applying Souls logic to it, where like, yes, you don't want to like get a plus five set of leather armor in Souls, but you do want like a plus three set. Mm -hmm. You know, like those early upgrade materials and early upgrade paths are totally worth it. Here, not so much. Like, I think the way that you did it is probably a better way to do it. Yeah. Um, I would still buy Pierce just so you can dash yeah, around. Function, yeah, yeah, just so you, just so you can function. Mm -hmm. But uh, and it's so useful for dungeons where you can stab through walls. Mm -hmm. um, but the uh, other than Pierce, like it's probably not worth upgrading your your attacker or, or length or width or anything mm -hmm. until you find a sword you're gonna you're gonna ride with. Right. Yeah, and uh, you all you also have a shield too. Um, just kind of mm -hmm. moving on from that that you also buy from the from the blacksmith. And uh, this has a block function, although it is not. I don't think as useful as it is in Zelda. Uh, I don't think I, like it's it, it's weird that you have to do it manually. It's weird, but once I got used to it, it became really key, right? Uh, I, for me, I, because I treat it like a Souls game. I just always had it up by default. Yeah, but well, and you one, it stops you from rotating, so you can you can strafe with it, which is really useful. Two, um, the way that enemies are placed in overworld and dungeon rooms is really interesting mm -hmm. in this game in that it's like seemingly random and you have a random chance of encountering a really, really tough enemy. Mm -hmm. um, like there's kind of two different kinds of champion enemies, like one that are unique to the overworld or two sets and then ones that just have little crowns on them. Uh -huh. And uh, if you walk into a room and there's one of the crown ones that move really fast, he's right in front of you, you want to walk into a room with your shield up in case he rushes you. Right. So again, that souls thing, you know, to it. And the yeah. way shields are upgraded is like a, a really lengthy FedEx quest that takes place over the second half of the game mm -hmm. um, and is worth doing. Oh, yeah, because that, so. uh, that it is it is crucial for the final boss. Yes. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> So I desperately want two kinds of video game hats. One, a plumb bob from The Sims. Um, yep. The second, I love that crown on the elite enemies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> super so, cute. It's so cute. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Especially since the enemies are cute anyway. Like you come into a room and there's a rabbit with a little crown that's like angrier than the other rabbits. Like <laughs> that's great. King Scorpion. Yeah. Yep. The Scorpion <laughs> exactly. King, but rock. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah excellent. <laughs> there we I, go. I, I told you about my Scorpion Nature's All Star shirt, right? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> the uh, a long time ago uh, on the internet, my friend found this website, um, and I'll find I'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember it now, um, but the uh, it had a T-shirt and in a baseball logo. It said Scorpion Nature's All Star, <laughs> and then I was talking about how I on Twitter about how I wanted it, and then that friend like found it again. Oh. So I bought it, and I have a shirt that's like this really really attractive shade of olive that in baseball things says Scorpion Nature's All Star in like baseball font. No, that's it. That's the, that's the end of the story. But you can also get 100% scorpion certified. Um, there's a bunch of different, like, and you can choose whatever animal you want. It's just this weird fly-by-night company that makes these very weird, like, like I don't, any animal, like, just nature's all-star right. is a very funny way to put it for me, <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, oh, I think I know what that site is. It's like, it's like Udakus or something like that. It doesn't sound right, yeah, but it could no. be. It's, it's, it's a similar one that has a uh, uh, mix-and-match design kind of thing. 
Where, yeah. Yeah. This one's very, it's very, it's like 100% blank certified or when, or blank nature's all-star and you can only put in animals. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty specific. Yeah. <laughs> nature's crown royal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, uh, you also start uh, talk to a guy here in the inn who uh, talks about how now that the world's in world is in 3D, they're ready for his magnum opus, a 3D mecha game. Yep. And this is yep. the aforementioned from developer who then goes off and starts a studio in a cave. Yeah. No, it should be a cool way. There's there's multiple studios in caves. Yep. In this game, that's where studio studio game studios end up. Mm-hmm. Um, you're essentially uh, making your way to. There are like mini games and stuff you can't quite do yet. Yeah. Because um, you're making your way to the ga- grass temple, which is the the green hill zone of this game. This is a super simple uh, little temple that more or less is there to teach you about switches, right. which you should know how they work, but. And, and it kind of belies, you know, there are only six temples in this game, or seven rather, and you might think that's not very many um, compared to Zelda's eight and the game being kind of shorter, but, and this one kind of belies like a, a simpler temple structure, but that's really where the meat of these games is. Mm-hmm. And the temples are, after this, get kind of long and arduous. Right. Um, in a good way, like they become, they become really kind of difficult, but this one is super easy. Yeah. And uh, when we say these are Zelda dungeons, it is Zelda dungeons. You are looking down in these rooms that are composed with squares, and each little room is a challenge unto itself. Yes. Yeah, like you literally, like it'll just be a little puzzle or a little enemy, or most times both. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the perspective, which you can change in the overworld to a couple of different things, uh, gets into a forced top-down perspective mm-hmm. in dungeons. So it, it really is, is Zeldaing out. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to talk about specifics inside these things other than to kind of give an overriding theme just because, mm-hmm. and then I move the blah, the, the block onto the button and it, right. Right. Like it just, it can't be that level of detail for this, but this is really just kind of getting you up to speed on how to navigate these things. And then yeah. also teaching you how to use the boomerang, which just like in Zelda, I forget that I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually ends up being super useful for one of the bosses. Oh yeah. Uh, later in kind of a weird way like it comes back um mm-hmm. there are also like maps and uh and big keys like the the unboss key mm-hmm. that you can get um and it's exactly like zelda right so and Pretty. and lots of little small keys yeah so a lot of what you're doing in these dungeons is going around finding small keys and bombable walls to to make progress towards this end goal yeah and this is definitely a pre uh link to the past zelda ethos insofar as even though each dungeon kind of has its own uh, special item that it can get you it's not necessarily required to proceed at least not all of them right like it's not a temple built around the boomerang there just may or may not be some switches that are easier to hit with it yeah and the the bosses are not built around right the weapon there's a disconnect which again is not like that's something that later zeldas do well and then eventually to the point of rote you know, grotesqueness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that like, it kind of, uh, uh, it, it takes that cue directly from Zelda one where you, you are, it's more like you have a toolbox and you can choose how to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, uh, so the, the first boss here, um, is Elagon. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I say Elagon. Oh, Elagon. Yeah. Cause he's, yeah. he's a, he's an eel dragon. Oh, I was thinking like a polygon. Oh, like Elagon. Weird. Yeah, they both work. <laughs> huh? Yeah, that, hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, he's like Snake. Like he's like the the classic computer game Snake. Capricola. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, 
and, um, uh, yeah, so he, he's a snake. He's uh, he's like there, there's a very similar Zelda boss, I think, in uh, in Link Link's Awakening, where you have to attack the tail. However, in this one, it's pretty cool. As as he gets shorter, he gets faster. Yes, yeah. So his his tail part is the part of him that's that's vulnerable, and if you attack, that explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and big beautiful particle. You know, pixel explosions. Yeah. Um, I love how uh, utilitarian the boss arenas are in this game. Mm-hmm. Just big boxes. Yeah, it's just usually just big boxes. Like mm-hmm. the outside games have kind of get kind of pretty and, and the scenery looks good and the dungeons are so functional mm-hmm. that I could also see that being a turnoff for some people when this this came out. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty into it. Like it kind of strips all the metaphor away from what you're doing. Yeah. Um, this might be like a really douchey way to say this, but it almost feels like they're does it like updating Zelda one for people who grew up with Zelda one. Yeah, like, like that, that, that's almost exactly what they're doing. Like somebody yeah. who appreciated what Zelda, what, what the first Zelda did enough to not need the fluff outside of you know just the obvious eye, can, eye candy that's already here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elagon or Elagon is <laughs> uh, is pretty pretty easy mm-hmm. um, as you go through, and uh, after you beat him, you get your your apple up. <laughs> um, as as per usual, and you meet the sage. You're, there, there's six sages associated with the six orbs that each teach you a different kind of magic. Yeah, uh, uh, and each shader these, magic. Yeah, uh, shader magic, which are all based on uh, uh, different kind of graphical principles. So yes. this one is called parallax, which uh, lets you see things on blank slates, uh, or reveals hidden things like on the ground and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and this is, ends up being really useful, even though it does become a little bit of like it's obnoxious, actually. Yeah, like well, it's like it, it's useful because it's necessary, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. Um, you don't opt into it. It's just a mandatory magic tax. Yep. When you get to an area that needs it, mm-hmm. it's got that. Yeah, it's a little bit of that like uh, safety bit problem. Yeah. That I don't. I don't dig. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Like you find some. You find some other. Uh, you know shader magics that are kind of more useful in a day-to-day kind of thing that feel less gratuitous than that later on. But this is, this is one that you're going to kind of like lean on in later temples. Yeah. Almost exclusively all the rest of them have a gameplay function as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or a combat function, right? Yeah. 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 That'd that'd be the one. Um, Something else to say after you defeat these bosses, you can actually summon them to fight them again. Yeah. From their tombstone. Right. Well, Shades of Dark Souls, too. Okay. Um, yeah, and you do that because if you beat them without uh, taking a hit, you get an achievement. Mm-hmm. So that's what, if you're achievement hunting, that's a reason to do that. Yeah. Even though achievement hunting in this game seems like a real nightmare because <laughs> um, there are a lot of achievements and a lot of little collectibles and items and stuff. So. Oh, especially the bestiary, dear God. Oh, the bestiary, yeah, never in a million years <laughs> um, <laughs> would I do that. Again, the, you know, the, the duckfeed.tv pink tail uh stratagem <laughs> just don't do it yeah um <laughs> play as yeah. much of the game as you want have fun yeah easy <laughs> go out and have fun you kids don't grind um but you're told by the stage that your next temple is in the forest of no return mm-hmm. aka lost woods right <laughs> which again we are proceeding nicely uh, yes you know through the uh through the usual uh tropes from that what's pretty cool is after after every individual um uh dungeon in addition to being able to do extra stuff with the items that you just got, new new places and new quest lines kind of open up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest one is that you buy a bow and arrow uh, now, which I think that they they kept you from buying it so they could give you the boomerang in here. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't like the way the bow and arrow functions in this. It's neat, but uh, uh, the, the the arc makes it useless to me. It's, it's only useful for the times when you have to use it and on the next boss. Right. Like I like it versus the next boss, and then the times where you have to use it, but it's not very fun. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. Um, I would typically stick to the uh, the boomerang, and then later the hook shot mm-hmm. um, thing. 
if you're trying to damage something from across the screen. Yeah. Uh, there are some goofy uh, quests. You carry these love letters around to uh, to the six points of a love of a love hexagon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves somebody else, and they couldn't be any more interested. It just ends with you throwing the letter away. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of like little subversions like that too, like mm-hmm. in making fun of the effort you're putting in mm-hmm. to do these little things, and you get you know a hundred gold or a apple piece mm-hmm. at the end. Um, this guard outside the castle, I love this a <laughs> little bit, um, who asked you to go rescue. Uh, they finally found a superb Joe yep. and, and to go rescue him from area six or what have you. And if you say no, he gives you a game over and uh-huh. then comes back and says, well, that could have been a real game over. You're lucky. <laughs> um, which <laughs> you're you off the warning punk. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I like like superb Joe sounds like a like a used car dealer from the Balkans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm superb Joe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The best deal in town. It is, it is a Borat joke. <laughs> yes, it yeah. is. But but I, I I like just saying it too. It superb, superb Joe. Superb Joe. Superb um, Joe. I, I don't like that the uh, that the from cave confirms that sticky white stuff is uh, semen. Yeah, there, there's it's, a lot of innuendo in this game. There is, like even around the sword. We, like, we were talking about it being innocent, uh, <laughs> but we were lying. No, we, were, we weren't lying. Like it is, it gets away with it. Uh-huh. It is charming in a way that's not, you know. I don't know, man. I think sticky white stuff was always a little bit cummy. Always, <laughs> like never like say the word cummy again. <laughs> As your spiritual advisor, I have to tell you. <laughs> uh, cummy, cummy, cummy. I, Oh no! <laughs> have you finished that? Have you finished that quatrain? I will be very We're upset. We're pod divorcing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will not finish that quatrain. People are already doing it in their head. Um, but yeah, so it, I always thought that was the innuendo. But this, uh, this definitely uh, really kind of lays it out there. Yes, it does. It's in her hair. Ew. Yeah, that that's gross. Yeah. Um, Can recommend a message. Yeah, which is which is super fun. Um, and is this the cave where there is the person who wants to trade you demon souls? Like there's a lady who's like, this game is too, or like, if this game's too hard for you, I have this other one that's too hard. It's about demons or something like that. I believe so. Yeah. 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 Or there, 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 there's somebody who says, "Come on, guys, this game isn't that hard." Yeah. There Which I think he's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um, but yeah, it, this is a nice little little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, there. Which and uh, had to come go- out of fucking nowhere since From's name isn't on this in America for yeah. somebody playing it, like. Man, the Atlas must really, really love this other. Uh... Well, it pops up uh, in the opening when you start the game. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah. There's a big from software thing. Yeah, that pops up, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You head over into the forest. You're fighting a bunch of bees. Yeah, yeah. The bees, which are kind of tricky because they're not on the ground right. a lot of the time. And you're going to your next checkpoint, which is in uh, Wardna's house, mm-hmm. and uh, you get to meet the sign master, who uh, who's been making all the signs. <laughs> around and if you find them all uh he will get the uh the master key mm-hmm. which i i didn't end up doing because again i didn't complete everything but would be super useful because the colored key thing is expensive and kind of a pain yeah a little bit it uh it puts a puts a, a gold gate on uh, some certain areas of the game which yep. are real bad but there's only like 10 of the signs and they're not really in that they're not really that hard to find either. yeah I, I felt like there were more of them because i didn't look at a guide for mm-hmm. that part yeah. so i just was like oh man there's gonna be you know, 40 of them. Yeah. I don't want to do this. If I knew there were only 10, I probably would have done it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I ended up coming across all of them naturally, which was, which was good. They're funny too. Like it's, you know, some don't take any wooden nickels level advice. Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, uh, when I, when I saw them, I'd always read them, but I just mm -hmm. didn't go try to collect them all. Yeah. Um, you go into the forest and no return, which, uh, there's a map 
um, that you can use parallax to reveal. And it's essentially, you know, it's classic dungeon or classic uh, Zelda forest. If you take the wrong path through, you start back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's real simple. It's just up, over, over, down, over, up, up, up. Yeah. And you can, it's small enough to where like you can trial and error it mm-hmm. just fine if you want to. Um, it's NPD. And you run into the sage outside of the temple mm-hmm. here, um, unlike in the temple. Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he got chased out by all the uh man, there's a big bee in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go back in there. There's a big I'm a, bee. I'm allergic to being skewered through the torso. <laughs> yeah, I'm allergic to stabs. <laughs> um Yeah. So th- this is the the forest temple, which introduces a couple of new gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just in general a little bit more robust. Yeah. Um you get the uh the, the, the statue button puzzles pushing stuff mm-hmm. around, so now we have block puzzles. Which Gary, I think the block puzzle puzzles are maligned. I always enjoy them, even if they are super easy. It's very satisfying to solve them. Yeah, it doesn't they they don't bother me at all. Yeah. Like uh it is not uh I think maybe people who are mad at them are thinking of them as that uh what is the the fucking puzzle, the sliding block puzzle? Oh, 15. Like the, yeah, 15, yeah. the press pause in Final Fantasy 1 yep. puzzle. Like, that's the shit. That's, yeah, I, I mean, really not the shit in like a good way, yeah. but like the kind of shit I leave in my toilet yeah. if I don't want it anymore. That's the kind of shit that I send back to the city. Yeah, it's that kind of shit. Um, th- these, these are fine. Like, I don't know if I necessarily would go as far as say I like, really like them, but they don't bother me at all. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like scratching a very easy itch. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if it's easy. It's still, it's still satisfying in a way yeah Yeah. um you get bombs as well Mm -hmm. um unlike uh, later zelda these are zelda zelda one bombs where they just blow up where you leave them you can't manipulate them or throw them or anything like Mm -hmm. that and uh bombable walls are introduced yes um which just manifest as tumors on the wall yeah or lesions um i love the way the bombs animate how they oscillate between two vastly different sizes yeah and uh the explosion sprite is just there's something about the that it does that is uh, really really cool yeah. Um, Indiana Jones esque like arrow traps as well. Yeah, and those are those are going to pop up uh, again throughout this. The trick is to face them and use your shields, you know, because of the strafing. Yep. 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 Yeah. And this is still like a reasonable size. Like you can easily do both of these first two in like one sitting. Yeah. Without refreshing th- your beverage. Yeah. The next dungeon is where they get a uh, meteor. Yeah. Um, um, but the queen bee is pretty cool. I like. Yeah, this I like the, I like this boss fight quite a bit. Um. So she she's a bee. She flies around. She's got tiny bees surrounding her that she sends out uh, mm-hmm. towards you. And uh, you can actually, it's kind of interesting, but the mechanic of having the, you know, the strong sword when you're at full life, these enemies that have adds, when you kill them, you can get life up mm-hmm. and uh, and get back to full health if you're you're hovering around there anyway. And that can become useful. Right. And uh, also in a nod to reality, if you use bombs, you can actually stun her with the smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. And then that makes it easier to line up a shot, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, this is this is a good boss fight. Mm-hmm. This is real good. Yeah, I even liked it a lot when they uh, when they brought it back when they added the kind of the the extra guard bees around her later on. Yeah, yeah. All the all the actually the last dungeon like second run bosses I like mm-hmm. for the most part. Like if I like them the first time around, I like them more the second time around. Yeah. Um, and the second dungeon or the last dungeon, despite being like two hours of gameplay, <laughs> is, is I actually think is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just long. Yeah. The. Uh, yeah, and you find out a little bit of the kind of the lore of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you find out who uh, uh, that Lee has certain friends that were captured by the Dark Bishop after you beat uh, this guy, and you get your apples up mm-hmm. and such. Yeah, and you go back out and you say, "Hey, buddy, your temple's safe again." Yeah, that bee. I took care of that bee, man. There's a yeah. you know giant newspaper, and he gives you the uh, the reflect magic, mm-hmm. which the I am fine with this. If I feel like the uh, 
this kind of felt mandatory too, except that um, I wish I could fight, I could ignore it and fight the mages without it. Yeah, yeah. Like having it as a utility against the mages would feel good, but this ended up being the thing I had selected for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, just because if you go into a room and there are mages, like, well, I might as well pop this off. Mm-hmm. You know, it ended up being kind of more useful than the boomerang or the arrow or any of the, uh, so it was pretty much this and the hook shot that I switched <laughs> back and forth between right. for almost the entire game. It's pretty humane how they let you select what's in your hot bar too. Oh, yeah. Because that can spiral out of control real quick if you just keep everything in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and you just you just uh, L2 and R2 mm-hmm. to scroll between. Yeah. And this is more useful than, you know, just for fighting the Magi. Like, there are statues who will shoot magic attacks at you. And even though you can't take them down by reflecting it back, it makes it so you don't have to. It's one less thing you have to dodge. Um, I, too, would have been really happy if there was some kind of amulet or some kind of other special weapon that lets you damage them through normal means. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like this being mandatory uh, as a way to clear, um, to clear a room because there are just some situations where you are going to be out of magic, um, yeah. even if all of the magi always drop magic potions to restore that meter. Well, exactly, because if you're out of magic, there's no way to get it back, right. and the magi are the most reliable way to get it back if you need it for another magic mm-hmm. for a different, uh, which ends up uh, happening a lot in the uh, the ice dungeon mm-hmm. or the uh, the fire dungeon rather. Is this like like a monopoly level? Um, uh, let's say satire of capitalism. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I gotta gotta have a, a experience to get a job. Uh-huh. Gotta have a job to get experience. Um, Occupy. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> what are we trying to bring back? Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, well, the uh, the thing of the woman who the Occupy Wall Street uh, Google employee is is a uh, is bonkers. Oh, Justine Tunney. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. crazy. She's yeah. Let's, she, she's, let's not bring that back because she's awful. Yeah. So <laughs> she uh, she fell in with uh, Arini, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like she's 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 next level. Like, I mean, like you know, see what you like. I like as far as you know, as I become more socially aware, and people have a couple of people have pointed out, like, hey, like crazy and bonkers. Those are kind of ableist slurs. It's like, oh, I've been saying them for thirty four years. Like, I don't think I can stop saying things are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that she is legit crazy. Yeah. Like, I think that she is 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 mentally ill and needs help and is harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To others. Yeah. There are certain kinds of people who the internet is really bad for. Yes, um, especially when they when they find uh, um, a, an accepting group of people who are going to confirm their views and dissuade them, you know, make them feel like, oh, the problem isn't with me, so I don't need to go get help. Right. Yeah. Right. Who 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 could be like mentally? I feel like if you're aligning with Aruni, or if like you're like that guy's got some good ideas, like you should be unfit to stand trial. <laughs> like that. That is that is just next level like bad judgment it's just incredible because that guy is such an obvious piece of garbage <laughs> that like oh, i don't know how anyone takes that guy seriously oh man yeah. yeah yeah you know but they've all got magic cards made of them it's it's good that's it's good. so it's so funny those things are so great <laughs> god fucking dark enlightenment what and are the, you doing dark and the bishop wandered into the wilderness to <laughs> contemplate isolation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> we should make a for for Patreon rewards some month. We should make a Dark Enlightenment style magic cards of us. Um, <laughs> Let um, us know if you want that. Yeah, <laughs> or or in the mer- there can be a write-in answer on the merch mm-hmm. survey. A magic set that's our Dark Enlightenment uh, <laughs> quotes about the free market. <laughs> um, let's talk about what you can do after this. Oh, and he also tells you to head out to the dum- desert temple to the east. Yes, yeah, yeah. and it's it, it. This is a nice little nod to usability, like. 
something that people love about the first Zelda is that there's really just you can just go out and find it. Like it leaves it to yep. you. Um, I didn't check and see if you could go to these in any order. Um, but uh, it's nice to know that they just exist and you can go into them. But uh, it's always good to know what the next one I ought to go to is. Yeah, you, you can't. You need the wire rod to get to the next one. Mm-hmm. Most of the nonlinearity is in the side stuff mm-hmm. in in this game. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do need that. And then I think you do need the flame rod to get to the fifth dungeon because there's a bush in the way. Mm, okay. Um, a sword proof yeah. bush. Yeah. Um, there's a guy at Wardness House, uh, that inn, who uh, will uh, make you a wood bat. Which I think mm-hmm. you can um, upgrade to a home run bat in a uh, yeah. in a nod to uh, uh, I about said homestuck <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. there we go yeah yeah and uh, I think this is the first place um, I I didn't know whether you had it in the notes to talk about later uh, mini games yeah yeah because this is the I, first place you can play uh, the tower defense one I didn't I play any of these I don't I I kind of can't stand tower defense games hmm. and the dashing isn't that fun to me yeah. I, I played them, so I can I can I can talk about those. That's good. Um, we're shoring each other up. Look at you doing all the side quests and me doing all the mini games. <laughs> um, it is a very difficult tower defense game, and right off the bat, it is incredibly hard, mm-hmm. um, which is I think kind of a mistake. Like I don't I like tower defense games, and I can even handle hard ones. And this one is has a really interesting system where you are. It's actually all in engine, so it's just you walking around a room, and you have the ability to place towers, and you can attack enemies. Hmm that are moving through, but there's a weird risk reward where the longer you stay still, the more you level up. And so you can turn yourself into a tower kind of, and can eventually become pretty powerful. The big problem with that is, um, you can't go around and collect gold that the enemies are dropping if you're standing still. So like it becomes kind of a risk reward between getting the material rewards for defeating the wave versus, uh, defeating the wave at all. Um, and I, I did the first couple of stages of these because I, I do like tower defense, but they're 25 waves long right off the bat and really, really difficult. Hmm. That and is way all too the mini long. games that I think are, are waves. that is way too many waves. And then like all the mini games I think are too hard. Um, there's dash circuit, yeah. which is a race, which uh, relies on your ability to, con- you know, have pinpoint control on your dash because <laughs> unlike in, uh, some of the Zelda uh, games where you have dash, which you can turn. Mm-hmm way through um and that's very difficult and you need really exacting times yeah to get rewards from that and then there is a blockout clone where it's just you walking around back and forth on the bottom of the screen using your shield to reflect things back up against blockout and i think this is probably the most successful of the uh the mini games yeah uh, but still pretty tricky yeah uh, i played the dash one and i played the uh and i played the the the, the breakout one um mm. but uh i just had a really hard time with the breakout actually um because i couldn't get the angles right it is hard it's just it's slightly less hard than than the other two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, these, these I think are a little bit too hard, but they're they're fun little diversions. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there some kind of ultimate reward for uh, for for getting all of them? Yes, um, one there's a sword that's exclusive to getting all of the uh, tower defense ones, and then the other ones I think are um, apple pieces or or money or small blocks, which you use to exchange for swords mm-hmm. later. So, yeah. But I think the wing sword, the one that like uh, for doing really well in the tower defense, and then I think also the dash one, you get the sword that ups your movement speed in general, hmm. which is pretty cool. Nice, but, e- even when you're just walking. Yeah, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I did not, I did not get that. I just looked at it online. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, those uh, those kind of become available in different stages. Like different ends will have people who uh, um, unlock those um, as you go throughout the game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
you kind of head out east through to the desert into Ortego Village, where you buy really cheap taco Salsa. shells yeah. that break. <laughs> <Yep. Yeah. laughs> there we go. Going to check that joke yeah. off the list. Yeah. Proceeding nicely. Okay. <laughs> Um, and uh just another town um it's kind of nice how there are like as many villages that are as detailed as ray jack is yeah yeah there there are really only three villages in the the town but they're all and ray jack is the biggest but this one is also substantial Mm -hmm. so the other towns unlike uh you know like zelda 3 like there are more than one little settlement Mm -hmm. and get this and kind of do some side quests yeah so you can bring some uh dancers into town Mm-hmm. Um, and a weird echo of that. Uh, Bring on the girls. Yes. And a weird echo of that. Uh, the, oh gosh, the Rhetoran quest in Morrowind where you had to oh, bring yeah. women so that people would settle there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there's some salesmen who are in trouble trying to figure stuff out. My favorite is there's a guy who's begging for water and he gives you a jar and you have to go get him some water. <laughs> Turns out he's not dying of thirst. He just needs to do his laundry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you get a jar. So. Yeah, and jars are useful. It kind of is a little bit like, and I realized this was something else that uh, not so much that this game takes from Souls, but that Souls actually took from Zelda, is mm-hmm. the Estes system kind of reflects the jar system in uh, Zelda 3. Yeah. Like you can you can set out to a dungeon with four heals mm-hmm. with you. You have a limited number of heals with you depending on that. And like I was just yeah. like, oh, that that makes sense now in a way I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't really consider before. Um, you want to buy, if you want to do these side quests, stock up on uh, Wind Wings. Oh, yeah which are your fast travel option. And uh, one of the cool things this game does that I don't see in other games is that you can actually get a bulk discount mm-hmm. for buying things, which like almost never happens. But if you buy a five pack or a nine pack of wind wings, they're cheaper. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. It scales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is, uh, that is nice. You can fly to any end, uh, which uh, really stream streamlines, especially the later portion of the game. Like right now the map size is manageable, but, um, but yeah, it's always nice to have something to save time. Yeah. Um, we also didn't talk about, and I'm just, because I'm thinking about buying stuff, um, dark rooms in uh, Dungeons. Oh, I think yeah. that they are already introduced, but the, uh, so buying candles and lamps is very useful. Um, but kind of frustratingly, like, you'll just go into a dark room and a lot of times you light it up and there's just like two bats in there and you can just walk out if you, if you know which way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a huge into that mechanic, but once you buy them for the first time, they become consumables that you can pick up in pots and shit. Right. So once you buy them the first time, you more or less, you know, you buy like a five pack of candles and you're probably good. It feels like something they put in there more as a Zelda nod than as something that actually helps the game. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of happy they, they, you know, Zelda let that slowly drop away, the mechanic of needing light, um, you know, and he, here it just kind of became a frustration because they happen so infrequently. There are whole dungeons where you don't use it. Yeah. And then just, just to kind of fumble through the inventory, it, it it doesn't add as much as I would like for something that inconvenient to add. I would agree. Yeah. Um, and you go south from the town, um, you run into the Candata Inn, um, which is this small little inn on your way to the desert. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, if you talk to all the, the patrons in this in a certain order, um, you will get a clue about this desert, which yeah. tells you about, because uh, this is the gimmick here are conveyor belt. Yeah. So they call them quicksand, but they're really conveyor belts. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get to the dungeon is you always have to go between two cacti. Yeah. You remember all those like serial movies from the 30s where somebody would get caught into quicksand and they're panicking, like, throw me a vine. I'm moving away from you very slowly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. I'm not sinking or anything. No. I just might end up somewhere I don't want to end up. Right. It'll be a I might have to do this part back. over. Help. Ah, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So that's the way to uh, to kind of hit the critical path. Um, I enjoyed kind of just seeing where stuff came out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, you can find some neat things over on the side. And there are other paths that you can get to that uh, end up paying off a little bit later once you have more mobility. Yeah. So you're, you're on your way. You go to the desert uh, temple, which is the first like meaty dungeon mm-hmm. of the game. Like, I feel like this is like they spent the last two dungeons and in, in interstitial areas training you. And this is like where the actual the real Dark Souls starts here. Yeah. So, so to speak. So it's really big, um, substantially bigger. I don't know if this has um, more floor. Actually, yes, this introduces yeah. more floors. Uh, which for some reason to me feels like a massive bump in complexity. Like all yeah. of a sudden I can't see all of this on one screen. Um, and so that just to me is like a, a psychic toll that this that this entails. Um, yeah. That's probably a, a very grave way to put it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you're dealing with that. And also you're going from floor to floor. Uh, there's these special tiles you can stand on the drop through and uh, you can use parallax to reveal which ones are correct. Yes. Yep. And you run into those magi we, we talked about yeah. uh, where you had to reflect their magic back at them. Yeah. Um, the treasure for this dungeon is the wire rod, a.k.a. hookshot, yep. which more or less uh, acts you know, exactly like the hookshot. And you can make it move a little faster and longer mm-hmm. um, up in the mountains in kind of an obscure little yeah. nook um, corner. And you do actually use that for this dungeon, right. uh, unlike other dungeons where you don't always use the gimmick mm-hmm. in the dungeon itself. Yeah. And I'm very happy that this took the wire rod or the hookshot out of the water dungeon. Um, yes. Because even though the hookshot is my, is my favorite Zelda uh, item, it is almost always in my least favorite dungeon in a Zelda game. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, and, he, and here it's, it's it's and it works almost exactly the same. Like it will stun and mildly damage enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah. And again, you just kind of make your way through the dungeon. It's we're gonna we're glossing over it because as we mentioned, it's hard to talk about the specifics. But this one is more more significant and more difficult. And this was the first one where um, I got to the end. So there's a little warp point at the end of every uh, dungeon right before the boss, um, which allows you to go back to the entrance. And that is a huge lifesaver. Right. Again, kind of echoing from software-style shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get to the end, you can get back there easily. Yes. And uh, you can use sleeping bags to, to heal up or fly back to town and uh, refill on healing potions and yeah. such. Yeah, I, I tried to avoid doing that as much as possible because, like, especially this one and most of the ones after this, it becomes kind of a hodge to get, you know, yeah. from, from from settlement back, you know, back here. Well, because they don't make the dungeons warp points, right. which they should have. Right. Yeah, especially later when they really egregiously make you revisit all of them mm-hmm. um, for no particular reason. <laughs> um, like, that's really <laughs> annoying. Want a reason? Fuck you. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Because fuck you. Yes. Um, yeah. The boss here, pretty tough. Um, they're starting to get more grandiose. Um, fighting a swarm of bees is cool. However, a gigantic golem that slowly turns into a laser tank, uh, yes. uh, it's its kind of some next level shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's its the thing with this guy that I, you can, if you circle around him counterclockwise mm-hmm. and don't stop, you won't get hit if you don't let him box you in. Okay. Which is the hard part because like he has two arms that come out and he's kind of shaped like a U and he's trying to kind of push you up against the wall where you can't keep circling him. Hmm. Like when he does the laser, he always does it from his right to his left. Right. So if you're circling that way, it will never hit you. Right. Um, but it's hard because you have to manage where he's at in the arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like this boss fight. That's like um, yeah, this, is, this is really cool and it, it, it progresses in a neat way. Like the, the difficulty ramps up as he gets closer to dying. Mm-hmm. Which is super cool. Yeah, I always like that. Uh, like you know, especially when it's not just and you know, Dark Souls does this a lot. At fifty percent, you know, a special power is activated. That there are multiple stages to this. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's super granular. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, the, the the sage didn't didn't vacate, which is which is nice. It gives you the power. I think that I used the least, which is oh, the, the normal map. yeah the normal map, which is just an AOE like shockwave kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I use it a couple times to check it out, but yeah. it's not not super useful. Again, it looks neat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, the, the the way that this treats pixels, like it just it it, it shoots them up like a rod. Almost yeah. to make this, uh, it's like a, almost like uh, you know that uh, thing you probably bought in a museum gift shop that had the pins that you like press oh, your sure. hand into, yeah, or your face. Oh yeah, makes super scary, uh, <laughs> like Tur- a lawnmower like Tur- man, Terminator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you find out the Aqua Temple is south of the castle. Yeah, and now that you have the wire rod, you pretty much have the run of the map. There's only like five percent that you can't go to, something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can get uh, in Ortego. You can do a little quest to get the Ultima book, which is a nice little Final Fantasy nod. Um, aside from the fact that the next village you go to is uh, Corneria, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Ultima book. They say, "Oh, too bad it costs ninety nine magic to cast." Yeah, which you'll never have because <laughs> right. you, you max out at like eight. Yep. You know, I think you max out at sixteen, but yeah, nowhere mm-hmm. near, which is pretty funny. And you can get uh, in the you can talk to a woman in Ortega and get the bestiary which is just for collecting. Right. And the way it does it, like you don't get a bestiary entry for running into a monster. You get into it for literally throwing a book at them <laughs> enough times. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of cute, but I'll never I'll never do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just love the idea of slamming a book against somebody to get them in there. Like yeah. think about how many people Charles Dickens killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole orphanage. I know. <laughs> Right? Just, a, just a, not so artfully dodging now, are you? A poor old like, woman with her cake. Like, yeah, exactly. It'd be fun to throw the book into the cake, though. Oh yeah, to get the bestiary entry for Mrs. Havisham's haunted cake. All the, all the spiders. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's how I kill spiders, anyway. So. Oh yeah. The. Uh, no. So um, you know you had to uh, to Colneria Village, which is Corneria, um, just with the uh, the Japanese LR mm-hmm. uh, thing. And uh, if you want to, you can go, ooh, like, I'm, I'm sorry, this is a part of me reading along the notes and not saying, uh, who's this merchant you're talking about? Yeah. So there's uh, there's like a little path. It's not quite obvious. You go across like all the way over to the uh, over to the east by the by the desert. It's not really that difficult, but it's a merchant who will sell you like a, a, a ring or something like that that like cuts the damage that you take in half or reduces could, it by a quarter or something. Yeah, it's the quarter version because you find the half one in a dungeon later. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, oh, I feel like I skipped a step. Mm-hmm. And I obviously did because I couldn't find that. I didn't yeah. find that merchant. And it's also he also has one of your first major sword upgrades that you can get. Hmm. Like, oh, like this is just a new sword because up until this point you've really just been kind of using the ancient sword. Um, and if you want to, you could use the bat or use, uh, you know, if you wanted to, but it's not significantly better. Right. Like this is this is a step up. It's a lot of money, like which you might not have at this point. Like the bosses are pretty lucrative uh, propositions uh, mm-hmm. for this, but um, you know if what, you want what to, what sword is that? I forget what it's called. Because <laughs> this is where I went off on a side quest to get the hero sword, or not the hero sword, um, the holy sword. Hmm. And that's what I use for the stretch of the game, and that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you get that near the desert temple. It's in like a, a cave you blow open. Yeah, I, I know that I had the uh, the holy sword at some point, but I uh, I can't say what this is. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's uh, it's the claymore. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, the claymore and uh, the silver ring. Cool. Uh, the, cool. the, the the holy sword also functions pretty well uh too the claymore i think uh its big advantage is that it's wider yeah yeah which uh is a is a possible advantage like even when it is in its uh, regular flaccid state it is it is wider than other swords so yeah the, so the swords do have i mean the swords are pretty long like even when they're they're flaccid um they can be twice as tall yes, or three times as tall as you are the swords are showers yes <laughs> um you know even when they uh end up and they're showers and growers yeah exactly um yeah, so, it's so a double like, threat. Yeah. <laughs> um you're you're heading down to the uh the Aqua Temple. Mm-hmm. 
there. And uh, when you enter, um, a tentacle pops out of the water and takes Lee. <laughs> Which, hilariously, um, I had to leave this temple yep. more than once. And Lee comes out and is like, thank goodness I escaped. If that happens again, make sure you rescue me, okay? <laughs> and then when you come back, she says, man, I have a bad feeling about this. I remember something bad happened last time I was here, but I don't remember what. Let's just hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> and then gets kidnapped. And then that happens in the next dungeon as well. Yep. Which is great. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really love that. Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> just this gigantic, like, tentacle with the big suckers just up and, yep. up and done grab it. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. And just her short-term memory loss is very funny. <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this, is, uh, this is the Aqua Temple, which fortunately it doesn't fall into the Zelda problem of needing to deal with water levels. Yeah, there's nothing that adjusts a water level, yeah. uh, which I never need to uh, to seek it. Even in uh, Link Between Worlds, which is, you know, a masterful Zelda game, the <laughs> water level stuff was not great. Right. Like, it's never good. Um, <sighs> but, no. uh, yeah, this introduces, I don't know what these enemies are. The trees, they, they, they look like they're like pine trees. Yeah, they're like uh, botonulas or botoniculas or something like that in, <laughs> in the guide I was looking at yeah. um, but they, they essentially they they tap you they're like those head crabs in, uh, in Half-Life 2 oh, yeah. that, that knock you down to one to five hit points or whatever mm-hmm. yeah um, uh, like the, those ones that take you down to half half a heart happen later these guys just do oh, like four gotcha. hearts of damage which at gotcha. this point you know if you're just kind of trucking along could be a third to a quarter of your health yeah, that's still significant. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. It, like there, there's nothing to indicate that they do that. So it actually took, took me a while to realize how much damage they were doing to me. Yeah, which this is the first dungeon. As we mentioned, we both left this and came back. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably because this is the first dungeon where you're going to have to take kind of multiple trips to clear it. Um, which luckily there's like a permanence to it. Even if you die and continue, um, the keys you found, the doors you unlocked, uh, that all stays. And up mm-hmm. until the next dungeon you know, that progress remains too. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of treat it like a D&D dungeon where you're making trips in and out yeah. uh, to kind of get all the, the treasure and make incremental progress. And yeah. then the next dungeon, which is my least favorite thing in the game, <laughs> throws that out the window. Right. Um, but yeah. this dungeon, that's still in full effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the, this one, this feels almost like a happy medium between dungeon size and almost like linearity. Yeah. Uh, you're not doing like these huge sweeps across the entire dungeon like to to, to use that key that you just found. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is probably the the one of one of my favorite dungeons in the game. Probably like as far as just the difficulty curve, mm-hmm. um, hitting hitting the middle. Um, you get the magic shield mm-hmm. here, which uh, blocks more kinds of attacks and also opens up the uh, FedEx quest to get the ultimate shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I wish I liked the boss of this more. Yeah. Um, I don't care for the kraken very much. No, it's uh, it's too long. Actually. Yeah. Like and 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 also I don't feel like the the hook shot is snappy enough. To, yeah. to to get me around uh, as quickly as I would need to. The uh, yeah the the ultimately like what I ended up figuring out for this guy, which is an unsatisfying way to fight him, mm-hmm. is to just go in with full health and only stab him when I can reach him with my ultra sword from the beginning from the entry, and then just dodge between tentacles when they get close to me because there won't be that many that hit you in that first platform. Right. Um, but never you know get hit because once you get hit, then you have to do a lot of crossing between uh, rod posts mm-hmm. to get to, to get to the the head of this uh we didn't really say what this guy is he's a he's an octopus head that pops up and then there are tentacles that kind of come up and like flaccidly lazily <laughs> just, kind of flop onto you yeah somebody shouts yeah. lumber and then they're yeah down. and they just come boo yeah and uh you have to use these posts to kind of get around to get close to the head when it's up mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I like the way this guy looks. There's something about his color oh, yeah. that's great. And also, I'm always going to be freaked out by a by an octopus's perfectly circular tentacle suckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I also thought, like, I could have swore that, you know, killing the tentacles would do something, but they're they're yeah. unlimited, yeah. which is also unsatisfying. Like, the first couple times I took a run at this boss, I kept like, okay, I just need to get these tentacles down, and then I'll be able to make my way unmolested yeah. to go stab him in the face, and that's not the case. Yeah, and uh, attacking them wastes precious time. Like, as yeah. you are making your way there, he will just dive underwater. So it yeah. really just benefits you. Avoid the, the, the platforms where these tentacles are, get to his main body, do as much damage as you can, and then just kind of, like, reconfigure from there. Yeah. Um, afterwards, there's no sage in this dungeon, right? Um, cause the sage is back at, uh, Kulneria, which we, we knew we ran into her on our way here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she said, Oh, I might be the sage. I'm not sure. Blah, blah, blah. Um, when you get there, she can't teach you the magic. Um, and she says, Oh, I've heard that like a great pain can sometimes, uh, awaken the magic within somebody stab me with your sword. And you essentially, uh, sword just, fuck her. Yeah, you, you make this woman come right to to give her sage powers. Like she shouts out, "I'm almost there! Don't stop!" Yeah, it's yeah. it's very it's very sexual with you just zeldaing the sword mm-hmm. over and over. And then after she she orgasms magic onto you, mm-hmm. the uh, she says like, "Oh, that was great! If you want to do that again, it'd be okay." <laughs> and then you you know I I kept stabbing her and nothing else uh-huh. happened. Um, not for like beat off purposes, <laughs> but just because I wanted to see what would happen. Just matching pace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm just I just putting the controller at the top of my Twangus, and then just every time my my fist does an upswing, it hits the button as well. So, <laughs> man, <laughs> I forget. Did she say to touch the sage inside her? No, or I did. Wish I she just did, okay. Yes, yeah, so I think just, you just made that. But that's, that's just something I wrote happens. down. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, but she gives you a very useful magic. Oh, yeah. Um, that more or less trivializes one of the most difficult enemies in the game. Right. Um, this is the freeze. Yeah. Also yeah. the ugliest magic. Yeah. It puts like a uh, like a uh, 1990s era PlayStation 1, uh, let's say, Cool Borders ice sprite over the yes. entire, like just paints it on there. It's really yep. chunky, really gross. It's hard to see anything when it's up. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's like the one instance, I think, where this game falls down visually. <laughs> Yeah, it, do, it doesn't look great. Right. Um, it only lasts for one room. So mm-hmm. luckily it's not, you're not doing it that much. Um, so there's some more interstitial stuff you can do in between here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can meet a guy named Moyamoto, mm-hmm. <laughs> which he gets his brother and his uh, girlfriend, I guess, something like that. Uh, you can also go to a place called Jim's Shack. Which, yeah. Uh, sounds like a, a great like rib place. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, where it's kind of like your uh, your your last real place to get uh, some you know story stuff like game gameplay kind of things. Like there's a guy who sells those colored keys, which are going to be real important later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, to get the the final shield, you need at least uh, one of each. And then within the dungeon, there'll be doors that open to these that give you like magic upgrades usually. Yeah, um, or small blocks that you can trade to a certain cave merchant for for upgrades and swords. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's also a side quest to get the spiciest pepper in the world, which yeah. I, I like these little fixations that everybody seems to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that the uh, Colneria or Canaria is the the area that has the person who's deciding who to marry, or is that an Ortega? That's an Ortega. Yeah, yeah that, that's a Dragon Quest uh, four reference, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, like a really direct. And uh, I was just reading about this because I haven't played that Dragon Quest yet, shamefully. Um, but he's like, I want to marry this person. She's prettier, and I think she might have better spells. But this person is nicer, and it will be better at dungeons or something like that. It's a real like sly Dragon Quest reference mm-hmm. that I okay. wish I'd picked up on and didn't. Yep, 
and, oh. and uh, if you come back later, they have kids. <laughs> yeah, yep. In, in Dragon Quest fashion again, referencing how fast that seems to move when you're playing that game with the generations. Nice. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so you're heading up this volcano path to get this next dungeon, and this is really this is a huge difficulty spike. Yeah. After what feels like we just had a difficulty spike. <laughs> yep. Um, on your way here, you're kind of going in and out of Death Mountain, essentially. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really it's a really long walk. I uh, really really wish that there is a uh, some kind of warp to the dungeon uh, after you find it, just because you know because this dungeon is so massive, I had to resupply, and it was a real real drag. Well, man, when you resupply, the problem with this, so we get to the Flame Temple, which is my least favorite dungeon in this game or maybe in a Zelda game. <laughs> um, I hate it because it, it's a switch dungeon. So like the switches that you do in Zelda, the little orbs that make blue blocks go up and red blocks go down. In Zelda, they fuck around with those by allowing you to manipulate them from a distance. Like you throw bombs or you can like leave a bomb and then walk away. Here, stepping on them is the only thing that, that does them, uh, that, that flips them. And you have to go through these rooms in a certain order. Yeah. And if you die or end up having to resupply, you have to start over. Mm-hmm. Like you can't start halfway through this dungeon. It's either it's the whole dungeon, which is huge, or you can warp. But if you haven't unlocked the warp yet, you have to do the whole fucking thing again. And that's goddamn obnoxious mm-hmm. and, and made me really upset. Yeah. And also, like, because this is so big and because the, uh, the, the, the switch state isn't really... Uh, conveyed on, on the minimap mm-hmm. you know like okay here's a door i didn't unlock or here is uh, a room that i haven't gone into um it was really really difficult to figure out where to go next in spite of how linear it was i found myself just kind of like wandering in circles because i didn't have any real sense of direction or it wasn't obvious that oh there is this one little corner back here that you couldn't get to because of x y or z yeah i broke down and used a guide mm-hmm for this that was literally just like go north twice go east once oh no flip switch go west once like i just like i was so mad uh because i was just so sick of just doing it over and over again Mm -hmm. like i just i really hit a wall like i was doing this and i felt like i'm like i'm not gonna beat this in time for the show Mm -hmm. this is infuriating and like i'm getting so i'm losing goodwill for this game through this dungeon Mm -hmm. um which like doesn't have that much to recommend it other than that like even if you ignore this like kind of egregious sin that it makes like it's not that fun in general like the only thing it really introduces other than this like 100% linear path which like you know no need to not 100% linearity in Zelda that's the point <laughs> but uh are these like rock spraying traps right in the middle of the room that are not that interesting right so yeah ugh. I forget is this where they introduce the uh the night enemies that you can only attack from behind yes yeah yeah which those guys uh and uh, because I have the freeze spell they're fine yeah like those those are use freeze on those guys mm-hmm. Um, a couple times I ran out of magic and had to fight them without it mm-hmm. and figured out a system yeah. uh, for it. But the easiest way is just to freeze them and shatter them. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what I did, too. But yeah. freeze is so expensive that that ends up being another kind of magic tax on it. Yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Um, luckily, it's not mandatory like the, the mages. Like, you can fight them without freezing them if, you, mm-hmm. if you're able to. Yeah. Um, you get the fire wand, which isn't really as useful as you would like. It's really just for burning bushes on the, uh, on the main field of play. Yeah. I never tried using it on uh, enemies. Eh. Um, eh. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I would just rather keep the uh, the hook shot and not have to yeah. switch between stuff. Yeah. Um, you get to the boss, which is a huge dragon, which mm-hmm. looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Like the intro scenes, you can do these little intro scenes um, wherever they break the perspective in this game and it mm-hmm. stops looking like a model, like it's always really striking. Mm-hmm. Um, and these little intro scenes where they introduce the bosses always yeah. do that and look yeah. really cool. And they've been escalating it up to this point. Like this yes. is, you know, this guy isn't bigger than the Kraken, but the, you know, he's far more impressive because you can see all of them at once. Yeah. 
And uh, essentially, he uh, kind of is a combination of the statue boss that you fought the first time, mm-hmm. who kind of flies up and slams down on you, and then uh, that one first dragon boss in Zelda, that three-headed dragon, yeah. that, uh, that just kind of shoots fireballs at you, and you have to kind of weave between them to, get, to stab him. Right. Uh, I feel like he has way too much HP, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a huge difficulty spike as far as bosses too. Yeah. Um, this you know I needed uh, to you know I had to be full up on heals mm-hmm. to take this guy out and ended up doing the most damage. I could just stand back and be at you know full sword mm-hmm. and just stab him a bunch of times. Yeah. But it just took a long time to beat him. Yeah, that's a real strategic advantage because he can stay out of his uh, out of his hurt zone. Uh, yeah. That way. Um, you can also uh, buy yourself some time. If you use the uh, boomerang on him, he will mm-hmm. rear back and expose a weak spot on his chest. Yes, yeah, which is which is highlighted when they when they introduce him, mm-hmm. and it's nice to get out the old boomerang front. Yeah, um, after you beat him, frustratingly, the sage is not there. Right, and you have to go to all the other dungeons where you find a sage. He's like, no, no, I heard he was going this way, <laughs> and that's that's just egregious and time yeah, wasting. There's no reason for it. Like, if it's a reference to something, it's a reference to something I probably would have hated in the original yes. incarnation. So. Yeah, and so it's no it's no fun here. Um, he gives you the slowdown magic, which is useful for a couple of puzzles, mm-hmm. um, a couple of like sliding spike trap kind of puzzles. Yeah, and uh, it's, it ends up being kind of expensive to cast, but is not a bad magic. I, I use it more than I use the the flat map or regular map one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, this is where uh, you can go and find the first of the extra fairies. Mm-hmm. So we alluded to um, Lee's friends who were split up and captured by uh, Dark Bishop Fuel or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is kept in this tower down to the east of uh, Corneria or to the uh, to the to the west of the desert. Yeah. Which you have to do a little bit of uh, tricky maneuvering to get around. This is pretty cool because you you, you answer quizzes. So it's like, mm-hmm. what is the name of the first sage? And if you don't know it, uh, you know, they, they, they send enemies at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's neatly made. It's also cool because it's optional. Mm-hmm. Like going and getting, you get an alternate ending for getting all of the the fairies mm-hmm. and rescuing the princess, which you wouldn't do otherwise. Right. And this is the second time I played through the game. The first time I didn't even know this was a thing. Right. And then this time, using a guide more, um, I ended up uh, ended up going for it. Yep. So, um, you can also go get the hero sword mm-hmm. um, from this graveyard in the the southwest. Um, you talk to somebody and they say the hero was buried there. And this sword, it was the sword I ended up using for the whole game. Mm-hmm. Like this, if you upgrade a few times, is good enough to carry you. Right, um, it's a really, really good weapon. Yeah, this is uh, what I used until I got the uh, the moon sword. Mm-hmm. Even though the moon sword is not as good as this or the giga sword, um, I really just liked using the moon sword. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, the, this is the show we do. Yeah, because from yeah, uh, yeah, and this kind of takes you uh, beyond another inn, which nothing really that noteworthy happens at. To uh, no. to the wind temple in this uh, in this uh, blasted heath or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this isn't too bad. No, nope. um, it's not. You know the the big trick here um, is that there are these fans that will blow you, um, but it's they're like kind of being a motley crew. Yes, exactly. Continue. I'm sorry. No, it's it's okay. If you uh, if you hold up your shield, um, you're actually better at pushing against the fan. By creating more surface area for the fan to push against, apparently. <laughs> right? yep. So that makes sense. Well, no, wind only affects you if uh, if it's uh, touching you know, your it's skin. your skin. Why do you think people can drive in cars? Yeah, well, I guess I guess that's true. No. <laughs> did you think about um, that, Butterfield? I I didn't. I didn't clearly not. Um, so the gimmick of this dungeon is not particularly tough, but it is just a big, complicated dungeon. Yeah. In general. Yeah. 
and and you know just this turns it into a little bit more of a platforming game this is really the first place where pits become a real issue yeah um and i also remember uh them kind of using quicksand uh, they, they've had it, you know, smatterings of it throughout dungeons, but uh, this this whole thing is just about complicating your movement as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is where those tree enemies that, that act like the head, the poisonous head crabs. Yeah, the machinariums. Yeah, yeah which end up, and these things suck. Yeah. Um, so if you see one of those, it's your your duty to take it out as soon as possible. Yeah. But keep in mind, like, as we mentioned, when you go into a room, the enemy placement is randomized, so you uh-huh. can kind of get yourself fucked yep. um, and have one kind of within your blind spot, especially in a dark room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seemed like a little bit of an oversight yeah. to me. Yeah, a little bit. Also, they throw a lot of knights in, which I think keeps with the theme of just complicating things and making them more hard than they ought, than they yeah. ought to be. Like things you were taking for granted before, which is yeah. which is a good, fun design escalation, I think. And they, they mix them with um, magi. So if you freeze mm-hmm. everything, you can take out the knights, but you still can't shatter the magi, which yep. is obnoxious. You have to wait for them to thaw out. And then just block them, and that's yeah. if you have enough magic left after casting freeze, which is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, which is which is not a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Um, the key item here is the miracle boots, which are not very exciting. They just yeah. allow you to walk on poisoned ground. Yeah, it's just and your key to the final area. To the, yeah. yeah, which kind of you know not that fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the boss of this map is the uh, the, the the nutcracker. <laughs> Actually, it's the dark knight. Um, yeah, but he moves exactly like a nutcracker. Yeah, I like this guy. He's yeah. pretty easy, but I like the way that he, that he moves, and I like that he looks like a human, but he's just huge. Yep. You know? Um, <laughs> but it is such a weird difficulty curve thing. Like, this whole mm-hmm. dungeon is such a so much easier than the flame dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder yeah. what made them put this before the flame dungeon. Or after it. Oh, yeah, sorry, after it. There yeah. we go. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. Like, it's, it really seems like difficulty-wise, the flame dungeon should have been the penultimate, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a breather before the final dungeon, which is kind of a slog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would I would accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you get this, and uh, there's no sage again. This is mm-hmm. your sixth and final orb that you have, uh, and there's some stuff that you can do. But ultimately, you're headed to uh, headed to the castle. Um, yes, you can get a ray gun, which is a super niche weapon uh, because it won't fire if you're not at full health. If you get a ray jack, mm. yeah, yeah, I, I did not get that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, you have to basically what you have to do is you have to invest in this inventor in order to uh, in order to get so say, man, I'm so sorry. I need a thousand gold. I need fifteen hundred gold, like a couple of different times, and uh, ultimately it pays off with this thing, which isn't very good. I, I did that in order to get the lightning shield because hmm. he asks for money to upgrade your shield after you've made it into yeah. a flame shield. Okay, um, but other than that, like I didn't know that was a continuing event. I thought he just wanted money for my lightning shield. Yeah, so. You can rescue the last, um, the last fairy, uh, which mm-hmm. completes the princess. Uh, she, she, uh, you know, <laughs> coalesces into one. Yeah. <laughs> um, super gross. If you go to the to the inn and rayjack and sleep, you get an achievement that said "Have a good night." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Presuming that you yeah. are, you sprayed face all. Yeah. Like, you, the, the princess. I was gonna say slipping her the bone, but yeah. <laughs> somehow you, somehow yours trumped mine. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> Um, you have sex with this, this pixel princess. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. And that is definitely on deviant art. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and you head to the King, uh, mostly because of lack of what all knowing what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you're, you're attacked by Bishop, uh, Fuel, and you can't, uh, can't beat him at this point. Mm-hmm. You have to fend him off until the sages arrive to help you out, which is a nice little moment. Yeah. Um, you know, again, like just gathering all the people, mm-hmm. it's a RPG trope that I always like. 
and yeah, origin. He's a he's a bald monk. He's like, hey guys, sorry, I was out getting groceries. Yes, um, <laughs> and he gives you lightning, which is the, the 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 least useful spell in the game, except for that one boss fight. It's exactly like uh, the lightning from um, Zelda Two, where it's like too expensive to cast it on anything other than oh, the last yeah. boss where you have to use it. You know what? I actually, I, I typoed here, I, and also I took it uh, uh, incorrectly in my notes. It's lighting, not lightning. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I read it as lightning too. Yeah, even though that makes more sense for what it does uh-huh. is lighting. Yeah. Huh. I just uh, I just double checked that because I was like, is that actually true? That that's what hmm. that's called. Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, uh, this is the last thing that you need. And they tell you to go forth to the Dark Tower, Child Roland. Yes. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, there's a couple other little side things you can do at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the ones on the list here that you have, the only one I did was go get the Hero Shield. Yeah. Um, there's like a challenge cave that's full of super difficult rooms uh, that you can mostly just run past. Mm-hmm. And uh, get to a guy, you find a thief in the end of it who I uh, heard that there was this, you know, Heard there's this treasure here, so there wasn't, but that he would trade you this crappy old shield he found yeah. for your shield, and it turns out to be the shield that can block everything, mm-hmm. and is more or less essential yeah. for this last dungeon. Yeah, and really the only other quest is uh, if you have every key item, you can go back to the From uh, software guys uh, who have been growing their operation between every dungeon um, in order to... Um, in order to get the moon sword. It's actually easier to get it in the American version than the Japanese version. In yeah. The, in the Japanese version, you have to have done all of the events, which includes mastering all of the mini games. Yeah, no so thanks. fuck that. No. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> um, I'm not that interested in that. And mostly, um, so then you're on your way to the uh, the Dark Town Tower, which is a huge, huge dungeon. Like yeah. it is, it is like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. You know, so imagine like how long like a Zelda dungeon usually spend like a forty five minutes in one. Um, this is this is definitely a couple hours. Yeah. Um, you know, not it's like by by volume the bulkiest part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is is a little miniature version of all the dungeons you've led up to mm-hmm. at this point. And like I kind of like it. Like it is it is as an expression of like this is the final exam part of the game that didn't happen before. Right. Like when we were talking about how the other dungeons like. There isn't the, like, now you've, you have the boomerang, here's how you use it. Like, here is kind of where it's not laying everything out for you, and it's making you remember mm-hmm. all the stuff you've done before. Yeah, it's pu- it's putting a great deal of trust in you that you've been kind of, like, paying attention. And it's kind of nice because you are looking back at these old experiences and these old challenges and realizing not just that you are now, you know, you have character knowledge and power, but there's player knowledge and power that kind of goes into knowing the best way to surmount these things. So yeah. they're like remixes of, uh, of these individual dungeons that incorporate elements from later ones um, in ways that kind of synthesize into a, into a unique experience that, although too long, is exactly right. Like what you said, that, that final exam that we, that we so treasure, like that, that is a great way to end a game. Yeah, it, it also, um, the whole thing is too long, but the individual pieces are not. So, like, the section of this that is the wind dungeon mm-hmm. is significantly less long than the actual wind dungeon. So, it's, like, just the amount of challenge rooms I want with fans. Right. You know, and same thing with the flame dungeon. Like, it's yeah. not nearly as, you know, exhausting. Yeah. Like, the flame dungeon section of this. And the length would be more of an issue if they didn't, after every other boss fight, give you a, uh, a teleporter out. So, you yes. don't have to tackle all of this in one kind of massive go. It is it is conscientious in that way. And we we didn't mention the uh, your home base for getting back to this thing is the uh, what is it? Nihilive? 
in, um, it's it, which is villain backwards. Oh yeah. And when you when you go to sleep at that inn, they're like, "Well, how did we get our name?" Well, it's actually a boring story. <laughs> and then he doesn't tell you, but it's villain backwards. <laughs> and then eventually you can get it, and it's just because uh, they happen to be in the the villains valley, yep. like by the Tower of Death. So they name themselves yeah. villain backwards. Mm-hmm. I love the area around this too. Like the color palette oh, yeah. is super distinct from everything else. It's so uh, it's purple. And, yeah, uh, uh, really, it's a really good place to farm for coin, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best place. Other like the zombie uh, graveyard is like the best place mm-hmm. up until this, and this kind of blows it out of the water. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of each of these little challenge areas for each dungeon, you fight kind of an upgraded version of these bosses, as we alluded to before. Um, and it's not, you know, super substantial, but there's like one or two things about them that's tweaked in order to make it that it is not just a Mega Man style boss rush. Right. Like they're either faster or they shoot more projectiles or shoot projectiles at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, like they scale pretty favorable in, you know, in your favor because your weapon is so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that you have, uh, you know, I had the hero, the hero sword that I'd upgraded a bunch of times uh, meant that even the upgraded version of these bosses were easier than the first time I fought them. Right. Yeah. Um, there are also these black holes that are introduced. Um, <laughs> yeah, so these, these things suck. Um, they're just navigation problems, and they just they suck you in, and they make you restart a floor if you touch them. Um, I don't like that as a mechanic. I don't like wall masters in uh, Zelda games, like the, the hands that come down from the ceiling and make you start over. Like, don't make me start something over as a punishment. Like, yes, it is a very effective punishment, but it's punishing the player, not the character, mm-hmm. in a way that, like, is unsatisfying to me. Yeah. So don't yeah. do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Wallmaster problem. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I dislike Wallmasters. They're an Isaac now. Fucking Wallmasters. Oh right? man, no. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that. I haven't got <laughs> to that point. Yeah, they're they're like womb womb enemies, but uh, they're obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, and uh, boy, when they combine those with dark uh, rooms as well. Yeah, 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 and and they can they combine them with. Um, Rooms that you walk into, there'll be a black hole a little too close for comfort. You'll instinctively press backwards, go back into the previous room, <laughs> and then the enemies respawn in the room you're just in if you killed any of them. There's like one where it's a really narrow bridge mm-hmm. with magi and uh, a teleporter, yeah. a black hole, and that's just fucking obnoxious. Yeah, it's a bridge too far. Um, one of the things that reminded me of Souls in this game, though, is the last floor of this, mm-hmm. where it is has a couple of traps but is eerily devoid of enemies. Uh-huh. Like that moment of quiet before the actual M boss, like felt mm-hmm. really soulsy to me. Yeah, and I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I think it's if you don't have the princess, there's a succubus here. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah, like that was that? the first time I played it. Yeah, there's okay. a succubus you fight who looks like the princess but just walks around like slack jawed mm-hmm. until you try attacking her, and then she turns into a monster and mm-hmm. it's kind of a mini boss fight. Yeah. But yeah, you go in and you fight Fuel, and this is uh, very reminiscent of what's his name, Alakazam from uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, from Link to the Past. Yeah, he, uh, you know, you think this is going to be the final boss fight, but you know, there's somebody behind him. Yeah, there's, there's always a, a final form. Um, this boss fight is awesome though because you cast that lighting spell, and it lights the torch. And the way you tell the real, you know, he kind of clones himself. The way you tell the real one is because he casts a shadow. But this looks so neat. Uh huh. Like the, to the contrasting art styles like the really really strong lighting effects mm-hmm. plus the the pixel art looks really really cool like this emboss looks amazing it's a super subtle tell too like yeah. it, it's never explicitly said like a lesser game you know or a game that didn't give you uh, uh, as much credit as this one does but if said huh there's something different about the one that <laughs> it's like no right that has a shadow yeah they say this is the key to beating this guy who otherwise you can't defeat 
And like, I genuinely had to like cycle through a couple of times and they're, you know, humane enough to give you little burner enemies to kill to like get that back up. And I think I yeah. had to, you know, teleport back in, uh, once or twice, um, you know, uh, for, for, for the, for the whole fight. But when I figured it out, I was like, Oh my gosh, that is genius. Yeah. It's really cool. And then looks really great. It's a really good boss fight. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, he uses the dark orb of desperation, which summons Dark King Onyx, of course. Uh, he's a villain. And this guy looks really awesome yeah. as just far as a, just a badass-looking demon. Mm-hmm. Um, but is not too bad if you can... Because you have the mega, sh- the mega Shield and the Mega Sword. You can hit him from across the room. Mm-hmm. You literally can just kind of hang out down at the bottom of the screen <laughs> and attack him. Yeah. Like, I beat this guy without getting hit because I could. Like, it was just you know, it was yeah. easy for that point. He has, like, one or two attacks that will do damage to you regardless, but they are super... Uh, they're telegraphed very far in advance. Um, yeah. And if you didn't take that extra step to upgrade to the hero shield, uh, then you are in deep, deep trouble. Because yeah. this and becomes a, a much more difficult fight. Because, yeah, if you have to dodge everything. And the main attack that your shield won't block are those whirlwinds, but they don't reach the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. So if you literally stay as far back as you can, then he could, he like, he literally could not damage me. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, in one way it was unsatisfying, in another way it was a testament to, you know, me doing due diligence and upgrading the length of my sword and upgrading my, my shield and stuff. Yeah. So not too bad. And again, like just a, a little bit like the, the boss before this was definitely the kind of the highlight uh, as far as a mixture between play and, and kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And this one was a little bit of a let down, but I could see it being super challenging if you didn't have uh, didn't have those those advantages going in. Yeah. And it's another boss that you fight at the top of a gigantic tower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. pretty much it. You get the dark orb back and all is pretty much right with the world. Yeah. Um, you get to do this kind of postscript where you can walk around the castle talking to everybody. Uh-huh. And they're super charming. Yeah. And uh, there are lots of little jokes and stuff. I love it when games do that. This reminded me of uh, Pokemon, actually, where you go oh, where yeah. you do your victory lap around the world talking to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where people had different uh, different things to say. Um, and then uh, eventually, the uh, you know the king wants to give you his kingdom. And for the first time, the silent protagonist speaks up and says, you want to start your own kingdom. And then the princess says, if you ever do that, can I come with you? And I don't know what happens if you say no. <laughs> I never tried to say no. Yeah, I didn't say no either because yeah. of course you can. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Yes, yeah. let's let's leave this king kingdom to like wither under a civil war for succession. Yes, <laughs> as the last heir. <laughs> yes, and uh, and found a forty kingdom. Yep, somewhere else. <laughs> um, yeah, and and then that's the game. Um, uh-huh. You have a couple of things you can do afterwards. There's a new game plus mm-hmm. um, where you can do a couple of different modes. There's a from mode. Mm-hmm. Which has a bunch of different, you know, a lot more enemies, and then uh, Spelunker mode, which uh, <laughs> you you die in one hit. Yep. Um, similar to uh, Spelunker, the old any you know yeah. famous kind of uh, Kusoge. Kusage, yeah, Kusoge, yeah, uh, game from uh, from Japan. Yeah, and uh, you have different animations. If you dash into a wall, it'll go yeah. into a full on death animation, but you don't actually die. Yeah, um, which is very funny. Yeah. So that's and you can ac- you can access these through codes too. There's also a shieldless mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you can access their code as well. Yeah, that's, and, uh, again, souls as fuck. We didn't, uh, we didn't mention, um, there's another developer mode where there's silicon uh, software. Hmm. They have a developer cave um, where they're all represented by monsters and they tell you these codes. Oh, yeah. The secret codes if you go in there. Yeah, like you can get Spelunker mode by naming your guy Spelunker. Yes. Uh, but it takes away your ability to customize your looks. Yeah, which is still fun. <laughs> Thank you.
And that's uh, that's 3D.GameHeroes, which I have continuously called 3DGame.Heroes <laughs> many, many times in my life. Well, no, we our, for our entire adult life, we've been trained that dot goes before the last word in a, in a brand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's, it's some bad uh, SEO. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Uh, so, so an SEO expert walks into a bar, a pub, a restaurant, a beer. <laughs> That's a, is it, that's a funny joke. Yeah, somebody, somebody at work told me that. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah, I just wanted to share it for everybody. Yeah, it's a good joke. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's this game, which I would recommend. The Souls connection is not as explicit as it could be. Um, but if you like, I feel like, I mean, if you if you like Souls games, you should go back and play like NES games that it takes stuff from because you will like those things about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you should play this. You should play Zelda 1. You should play Castlevania. Yeah. The, the Castlevanias because you're going to get a little bit of that itch scratched. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking that this, that this is so exclusive to PS3, actually, like yeah. in a way that it's also heartbreaking that Demon's Souls kind of will probably never get off of that platform. Bloodborne. Oh, yeah, Bloodborne, too. Yeah. Like, but like even Bloodborne, you know, that's that's an x86 system. Like PS3 being so impossible to emulate, just like it's its own weird thing. Yeah. Like I, you know, and ha- so difficult to port things away from. Like there are so many people now. Like you know, so when we you know talked about doing this, oh, I'd love to play that, but I don't have a PS3. And there's really no reason to have a PS3 now, aside from these kind of you know there was barely a reason to have a PS3 in the first place. But yeah. As it kind of fades into the annals, and they still stay pretty expensive. Like, yeah, I would recommend anybody who has the ability to play this play it because it's kind of incumbent upon you to like experience this for the people who haven't experienced it. Yeah, yeah. Just play play the shit out of those five games that are PS3 exclusive that right. are worth it. Um, just play them with all your heart. Yeah. Um, this game, like this game, is so weirdly like one of the reasons why you can tell it's not made by by From so much is because it's so affectionate in a way that, that from isn't that I really, really love. Like something we didn't notice or didn't mention was like the loading screens are all mock-ups of Famicom covers yeah. uh, with the characters from this game. Mm-hmm. And there's a YouTube I'll put in the show notes that shows all of them. And there's a lot of them. There's like, you know, 50 or something like that. And they're really charming. Mm-hmm. Like they're like just amazingly cute. And, and just, it feels like such a strong love letter that like, it's, it's hard for me, even the things that are kind of faulty about it, it's hard for me to be mad at them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it is just, it is just really, really full of charm. Yeah. And, uh, and I would, you know, the, the company that made this also made Bravely Default, which I mm-hmm. bought and haven't started yet, yep. but I would love to see them do another take on like a Nintendo ass game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's like when, when From is affectionate, it's more kind of like tongue in cheek or, you know, approach from a sideways angle, like, right. you know, any of the, you know, the, 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 oh gosh, Studio Ghibli references they have in there, like with, uh, uh, what is it in the, in the crazy, in this crazy forest? I yeah. forget the name of that. Of that name. <laughs> you know, the crazy forest. Yeah, the crazy forest. Um, or, uh, you know, any of the berserk stuff. Like they, yeah. uh, they, they, they tend to uh, put an, an obscurity filter ever, over everything. Whereas this is, you know, incredibly on the nose in a way which would be otherwise, uh, you know, off-putting if it didn't seem so guileless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just it's it's very like it it, it warmed its way into my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are we? Uh, what are we doing next time, Cole? Next time we are doing uh, a, another game which is similarly guileless. I, I feel like this mm-hmm. is this is the season of, of of genuineness. I think. Well, until we get to Lords of the Fallen. Oh, in which in which yeah, just crank up the crass. Yeah, I just crank. I just crank <laughs> all, up the, the shoulder pads. All about that crass. You thought I was going to make it rhyme, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tap tap that crass, Lords yep. of the Fallen. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, we're playing Shovel Knight, 
which you should be able to get a hold of if you uh, if you have a PC, uh, PC Mac. I believe it's on 3DS. It is on. Um, that's how I'm playing yeah. through it. Is it on show. Vita? I forget if it's a if it's a Vita. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it it is may, you know maybe my favorite game from last year. It's pretty um, good. It's it's so incredible. Yeah. It um, is it is so whole. <laughs> um, like it is a perfect game, yeah. and uh, it is. Uh, and weirdly enough, kind of draws more Souls inspirations than this game does, mm-hmm. and is also a more unqualified recommendation for me. Like right. everyone in the world should play Shovel Knight. <laughs> yep. Like I can't think of anyone who's not going to like Shovel Knight. It's so yeah. goddamn good. This is like a Zelda tribute episode because this is Shovel Knight's Zelda Two. Yeah, and Lords <laughs> of the Fallen is just like uh, Skyward Sword. Yeah. The uh, no, I actually like Lords of the Fallen. Yeah. It sounds like I'm talking shit about it. I'm in excited advance. to play it too. Yeah, yeah I, I like that game. Um, but it, out of these games that we're doing, it is definitely the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it fits in better with the actual rest of the series. So go figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Lords of the Fallen, and then we're doing an episode on Scholar of the First Sin. Um, we will have the new lore, and we will have the new NPC. Um, <laughs> we we don't will think not we... have the new enemy placement. It's weird. So I don't think we will. It's not in the patch notes, but like I also read something somewhere that made me think that we would mm-hmm. with that too. So I don't know for sure about that. We're going to know more in like the next couple weeks. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to know way more in less than a week. Right. And we'll be able to, we'll, we'll report. But the, like the, I, I want the new enemy placement stuff. It's going to be kind of like a split down the middle thing where we're going to be able to do our, our Scholar of the First Sin episode that talks about the lore mm-hmm. and stuff. And then we're going to end up having to do an update episode mm-hmm. partway through Bloodborne to talk about enemy placement. <laughs> and that's fine. If, if that is indeed the case. If yeah. that ends up being the case, then that's what we'll end up doing. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's better than doing like doing a one little look back after we've more or less handled Scholar feels better to me than just mm-hmm. like literally having to do a huge mega blowout in the middle of Bloodborne. Yeah. Like we can do that as a special wherever like the the Drang Lake Castle or Anne Orlando is mm-hmm. in Bloodborne. When we start filtering in special episodes, we can do a Dark Souls a look back. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be, you know, and you know, it'll, it'll be Drang Lake Castle because Bloodborne takes place in Drang Lake. Oh shit! There we go. <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah, yeah. The evidence Spoilers. is there, guys. Yeah, it's it, it takes place there, and also uh, Solaire mm-hmm. is uh, Prince Bloodborne. Yeah, he's a he's a werewolf now. Yeah, yeah, and he wants yeah. all your blood. He just wants to borrow it. They'll give it right yeah, back. Yeah, freeze the blood. Um, the yeah, and then uh, after that, we're talking about Bloodborne, uh-huh. and we'll have specifics about that, and uh, you know, as and and everything as that approaches. I need to put in for time off work. Yeah, and I need to uh, to figure out my schedule and get a PS4 <laughs> and yeah, um, and start lining up guests. Yeah. So on, on that note, if there are people, I mentioned this on Facebook, but I know a lot of people who listen to the show aren't on Facebook. If there are guests you really liked from the last couple seasons or people you'd like to see on the show, um, let me know. Um, pop on Facebook or, or shoot us a contact message, and I will do my best to get them. Um, and then just be f- heading people off. Like I've uh, I've tried to get Vadi a couple times. Mm-hmm. Maybe this, you know, maybe fourth game will be a charm, <laughs> and, and I'll be able to do it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. cool. Um, and if you know there, there there is a distinct reason why you're able to get a PS4, um, and why I was able to get a PS4 uh, mm-hmm. for uh, for Bloodborne, and that was the Patreon. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if you go, um, you know, people who have decided to give us a couple bucks a month on patreon.com forward slash TV are enabling us to do the show without immense personal cost to us. Right. Um, we're not holding the show hostage. We would have gotten Bloodborne anyway because mm-hmm. this is a show about the Souls games and mm-hmm. duh. But <laughs> the uh, it helps a lot that people are willing to, to kind of help finance us because we, you know, for the most part, just do this because we love doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, it is nice. Uh, it would be it would be an undue financial difficulty for me, at least right now in my life, to buy a PS4 right. and was not planning to otherwise. Right. So if you want to be as kind and generous as those people, um, head on over to patreon.com forward slash TV. If you cannot, NBD, but uh, why not try rating or reviewing the show on iTunes or uh, telling a friend about it? Mm-hmm. Both of those things make a huge difference. This show has an incredibly bizarre like curve of listeners because yeah. each episode is somewhat evergreen. But at the beginning of a season, it spikes and then it drops off. And then there's just a huge backlog download. I've been analyzing the numbers, Gary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's because people play along for with the show, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you know somebody who's getting into the, the show or getting into the games... Just to maybe send him a little link. Yeah, kick, kick, kick him our way. A little winky link. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's always facebook.com slash bonfireside chat if you want to get in on that action. And uh, uh, we have that merch survey running until January 31st at midnight. Yes, and it cuts off. Then it is a strict cutoff, and we don't want to give we don't give a shit about what yeah. you think of shirts. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you had your chance. <laughs> if you uh, have, if you have ideas about merch and if you have opinions on that, always use the contact form. This yes. th- th- this uh, this is just a formalized way for us to, to to gather. Again, we don't harvest your information at all. Uh, if you want to find that, that is at uh, duckfeed.tv slash merch survey twenty fifteen. It, it is a great help to us. Indeed, and uh, yeah. Until next time, what should they do? Uh, they should uh, praise the dot. Praise the dot. Dot bossa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. www.bossa.com. <laughs>